they've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome to the Bible with the Barbers. We've got a special guest coming on, Father Jerry Murray. Uh, he's going to be talking about the Holy Father's private comments about civil, gay civil unions. And I think you're, you're not going to want to miss that. <laughs> so, uh, Mary Danielle, uh, we're going to show how the, what the Bible actually teaches about homosexuality. Right. And the Bible with the Barbers is geared to help you learn your Bible, therefore learn more about Jesus, and therefore his bride, the church, and get you to heaven. Amen. Amen. So we want to read today's gospel, which is from the gospel um, according to Luke, which is um, Luke 14, 1 through 6. On a Sabbath, <clears throat> Jesus went to dine at the home of one of the leading Pharisees. And the people there were observing him carefully. In front of him was a man suffering from dropsy. Jesus spoke to the scholars of the law and the Pharisees in reply, asking, Is it lawful to care on the Sabbath or not? Hmm. But they kept silent. So he took the man, and after he had healed him, dismissed him. Then he said to them, Who among you, if your son or ox falls into a cistern, would not immediately pull him out on the Sabbath day? But they were unable to answer his question, yeah. the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. And what you have going on here is a little bit of hypocrisy, oh. not a little bit, a whole lot, <laughs> and a little bit of fanaticism. It's mm. interesting. When you look up the cross-references for this particular passage, um, for Luke 14, 1, mm -hmm. um, in, in the um, Ignatius Study Bible, they refer you to Luke 7.36, Luke 11.37, and Mark 3.2. And what's interesting, in all of those scriptures, Jesus is invited to dine at the home of a Pharisee. I mean, are you a glutton for punishment, Lord? You know what these guys are doing, and you keep going to their homes. <laughs> these are all different instances. They're not repeats. Mm -hmm. They're all different instances where Jesus goes to the home of a Pharisee. And why? What is the Pharisee trying to do? He's setting them up. This man with dropsy is sitting right in front of Jesus. Well, they brought this guy in, and they sit him right in front of Jesus. It's a Sabbath day. Well, first of all, you're having a dinner at your house. Who's preparing that dinner? <laughs> Somebody's working. Of course. You know? You can have guests over, but Jesus can't cure a man. Right. And then, of course, Jesus points out their hypocrisy. If your son or an ox even, even an animal, falls into a pit on the Sabbath, you're going to pull him out. You're going to do that. So these, these men, are they're not honest in their heart. They're not being forthright. They're not being, they're not being humble, and they're not being godly. They're being human, and they just want to reject Jesus. They don't want him to be the Messiah. They don't want him to be the one that God sent. Mary, it seems like they, um, it says they're unable to answer his questions. That seems often in the scriptures where, or Jesus is, you know, saying, "Render the Caesar what is Caesar's, what is Caesar's, Caesar's," and then he'll ask them a question, and they they're stumped. They just say, "Well, if we answer one way, we answer this way," so they just stay quiet. Right, because the hypocrisy. If we answer him honestly right now, mm -hmm. then that's going to show that we're in the wrong. 
but we don't want to do that. We still want to try and spin this and make it look like he's the one who's uh, in the wrong. Got it. And and get the people to go against him. Yeah. Which in the end they're able to do, aren't they? On Good Friday. Sadly enough, the people craw- cried for his crucifixion, mm. led by the leaders of the people. People, possibly people who had been cured by him, possibly people who had been fed by him. What are we looking for? You know, yeah. again, the people who were fed by Jesus, they're just looking for a bread king. They were going to carry him off and make him king. Why? Because I'll never have to go hungry again. If we run out of bread, he'll just make more. They like, no, this isn't what it's about. We're not here on this earth to build an earthly paradise. We're not here to eliminate all human suffering. Are we supposed to strive to help those who are suffering? Absolutely. Are we supposed to eliminate, uh, alleviate their suffering to the best of our ability? Absolutely. Can we remove all human suffering? No. No, because suffering came into the world with as an effect of original sin. You see, God created a perfect paradise. <laughs> We're the ones. Sin is the one that messed it up. You know, and, and people people are like, well, I have a right to be happy. I have a right to this, and I have a right to that. And what they're saying is, look, I can live my sinful life, and I don't have to give these things up. So stop telling me that what I'm doing is wrong. Well, why do they want you to stop telling them? Just like the Pharisees. They didn't want to hear what Jesus really had to say because he was pricking their conscience. He was letting them know. He's calling them back to the truths that God had revealed. And he's telling them to live according to those truths. And they're like, no, we don't want to hear that. And we have that same problem today. We're going to actually talk about that during this show. That people are saying that if you tell me that's a sin, that makes me uncomfortable. Well, no, actually, if you're real honest, your sin makes you uncomfortable. That's right. And your sin divides you not only from yourself, but from your neighbor and from God. You see, it's not my words. It's not the truth of the gospel that divides you from yourself, your neighbor, and God. It's, it's whether or not we respond. If I'm a sinner and I choose to live in my sin, then my sin, my choice to live in sin is what's dividing me from God, my neighbor, and myself. So it seems to me that it's a little bit of false compassion in a sense of, and, and I'm going to tie this into the topic of sexuality, that if, if somebody has a tendency for same-sex attraction, just to say, well, that's okay, you deserve to be happy. You know, you've heard people say that, whether it's fornication or adultery. But we have to hold tight to the truth because it's the truth that gives them their happiness, not their lust. Right, exactly. It's the truth will set you free. And when we live, when we try to make give mm-hmm. a truth to the lie, mm-hmm. it actually doesn't make us happy. Now, we can kill our conscience. Yeah, that's true. We can get to the point where it doesn't bother us anymore. But when you tell a person, when you challenge a person on their lifestyle and they get upset about it, their conscience isn't dead yet. So there's hope for them. There's hope for their conversion. But remember something, too. We're not here to condemn people or send them to hell. We're here to warn people and ourselves included. You know, I I have to go to confession on a frequent and regular basis. I'm a sinner. Mm. So I have to examine my conscience every day. You know, you examine your conscience during the day and say, okay, Lord, am I living according to your will today? Am I doing what you want? Am I keeping your commandments? Am I being faithful? Mm-hmm. Or am I like the Pharisees in this gospel who they put that man there on purpose to test Jesus to see if he would cure on the Sabbath? Oh, well, they know he's going to cure on the Sabbath. This has happened before. This isn't the first time this scenario has come up. Mm-hmm. They've already done this. They know what he's going to do. They know he'll cure. 
But there, but 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 of course he 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 corners them first. First in response, it's funny because here's the man with dropsy. Did you catch the wording here? No, go ahead and repeat it. It says here. So the fair, he's at the the leading uh, uh, house of a leading Pharisee, and some people were there observing him carefully. They're observing him carefully. They're trying to trap him. They're trying to trap him. In front of him was a man suffering for dropsy. Jesus spoke to the scholars of the law and the Pharisees in reply. In reply to what? Wait a minute. There isn't anything said here about a conversation going on. Yeah. They're observing him very carefully. He's reading their thoughts. He knows their thoughts. Just like when he cures the man that they lowered down through the roof, the, the paralyzed man whom his friends came and lowered him down through the roof. Right. And, and Jesus says, my son, your sins are forgiven. And they don't say it out loud, but they're like, who is this guy that he thinks he can forgive sins? Mm-hmm. He knows their thoughts. Right. And he says it. Now, that should have that scared him a little bit. That should have woke him up a little bit. But here again, they've set him in a trap. They're trying to see if he's going to, you know, what he's going to do. Of course, he's going to cure the man. But first of all, in reply, he says to them, is it lawful to cure on the Sabbath or not? In reply, he says that. In reply to what? In reply to what's in their hearts and in their minds, what they're thinking and what they've already decided in their hearts. Yes, I am going to cure on the Sabbath because it is lawful. Just like it's lawful for you to pull your son out of a ditch or your ox out of a ditch. Oh, by the way, just like it's lawful for you to make your servants or your wife work to serve us all here Mm. on the Sabbath to do all this work, to serve this meal. So he's pointing it out. And, and, he's, and, and then he cures the man and he dismisses him, which, by the way, is an indication. And that man wasn't there. He wasn't invited there to attend the dinner. Good point. Yeah. You know, Jesus dismisses him. He was brought there to set a trap for Jesus. They've been doing that all through Christ's life. They, they were looking for opportunities. Mary, I wanted to give a plug for the November 7th conference, What Every Catholic Needs to Know About the Bible is there. Amen. This is our Bible with the Barbers. Good. I know you've seen that series with Dr. Michael Barber, our nephew, Dr. Brant Petrie, Dr. Scott Hahn, Jesse Romero, and others. But it's also What Every Catholic Needs to Know About Hell, the Blessed Virgin Mary, the mm-hmm. Mass. It's going to be a great conference. It's on the 7th of November. And the way you can register is just going to Virgin mostpowerfulradio.org, or you don't want to do it that way, call us. We'll register you right over the phone, 877-526-2151. And then don't forget to mark your calendars for the 16th of January. It's coming quick. Yeah. The Spiritual Warfare Conference. Mm-hmm. Whoa, it's going to be a good one. Get your tickets early by calling 877-526-2151 or go online to virginmostpowerfulradio.org. Mary, what are we going to, I know we've got Father Jerry Murray coming, but uh, what else are we going to be sharing in this next um, segment? Well, on this Friday, October 30th, because there's so much controversy going on, we want to look at what the church actually teaches about homosexuality and um, why, why would it be wrong? What would be wrong with it and why? Remember, the church doesn't just teach things and pull them out of the air. There are always reasons. So... I hope you can stay with us, share this with friends, uh, ask your friends to join us, like us, and share. And um, thank you for your support and your prayers. Please do keep us in prayer. And also pray for the upcoming election. And if you haven't voted, please make plans to vote as soon as possible. We'll be right back with more. Bible with the Bible. Virgin, most powerful. 
A great man once said that evil is powerless if the good are unafraid. Well, you and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. We're at war with the most dangerous enemy that has ever faced mankind in his long climb from the swamp to the stars. And it's been said if we lose this war, and in so doing lose this great way of freedom of ours, history will report with the greatest astonishment that those that had the most to lose did the least to prevent it from happening. Well, I think it's high time now that we ask ourselves if we still even know the freedoms that were intended for us by our founding fathers. Every generation of Americans needs to know that freedom exists, not to do what you like, but having the right to do what you ought. You weren't made to fit in, my brothers and sisters. You are born to stand out. Set yourself apart from this corrupt generation. Be saints. God bless you. In 1 Corinthians 13, 13, St. Paul says, So there abide faith, hope, and love, these three. According to St. Ignatius of Antioch, faith is the beginning and love is the end, and God is the two of them brought into unity. Then comes everything else that makes up a Christian. May God grant that we may attain all the virtues that make for authentic followers of His Son. Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites The Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow, that's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US-1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Well, welcome. Welcome back to Bible with the Barbers. And um, we have our scriptures. And remember, the scripture is the word of God. And this is not something we can just leave aside and say, well, it's unimportant. It doesn't matter. It's not relevant anymore. Okay. Um, In the Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph 2357, it says, Homosexuality refers to relations between men or between women who experience an exclusive or predominant sexual attraction toward persons of the same sex. It has taken a great variety of forms through the centuries in different cultures. Mm -hmm. Its psychological genesis remains largely unexplained, basing itself on sacred scripture, which presents homosexual acts as grave depravity, Tradition has always declared that homosexual acts are intrinsically disordered. Mm -hmm. They are contrary to the natural law. They close the sexual act to the gift of life. They do not proceed from a genuine affective, affective, that is regarding the affection, and sexual complementarity. Under no circumstances can they be approved. Okay, this is the constant teaching of the church. No pope can change this. Right. No one can change this. And you go back to Leviticus 18:22 and it's clear that, you know, in the Bible it says, you know, a man is not to lie with another man as with a woman. And then in Leviticus 20:13, it gives the penalty for those who do that. Now, in case you think we're singling out 
you know, homosexuals, go to Leviticus 20 and read what it says, because it's not just talking about homosexuality. Right. If a man commits adultery with the wife of his neighbor, both the adulterer and the adulteress are to be put to death. Wow. The man who lies with his father's wife has uncovered his father's nakedness. Both of them shall be put to death. Okay. Their blood is upon them. If a man lies with his daughter-in-law, both of them are put to death. So this is any sin against human sexuality. The penalty is death. And it goes on that if a man lies with a male as with a woman, both of them committed an abomination, they shall be put to death and their blood is upon them. What? Yeah. Any sin against the sixth and ninth commandment carried with it in the in the Old Testament, the penalty of death. Why? Our sexuality is not an appendage we can cut off. When God made us, God made us male and female. And he made a complementarity between male and female because he was creating the human family to be a reflection of his own inner Trinitarian life. The life of God is to be reflected in the family. And God is love and he is fruitful because God is not a solitude unto himself. He's a trinity of persons. He is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So the human family must be based on love and always open to the possibility of transmitting life. Any sexual union that precludes the possibility of transmitting life is intrinsically disordered. By the way, the use of artificial contraception in marriage is intrinsically disordered. It's intrinsically evil because it divides, as Bishop Sheen said, what God joined together, love and life. Union and procreation go together in marriage between one man and one woman. And anything outside of that, by the way, in the Old Testament, adultery, fornication, you know, um, these other things, homosexuality, they all carried the penalty of death. It sounds to me like you're saying the Bible is basically saying what the Catholic Church has taught about chastity, that we're all called to live a chaste life. Whether I'm married right. to Mary Danielle, I'm not having sex with any other women. Right. I'm chaste. I'm faithful to her for 30-some years, thanks be to God, and vice versa. But a, a unmarried man is called to chastity. Right. A, a man or woman who has same-sex attraction, they're called to chastity. So it's not being pushed on just homosexuals. It's right across the board. It's for everyone. Everyone is called to live a chaste life. We're all called to live a holy life and promote the growth of the church and her continual sanctification. And that begins with the sanctification of the individual members of the church. Christ sanctifies us through his sacraments, through his presence. All right. The church is holy because Christ is the head of the church and the church is his body. So he sanctifies his body, the church. But he gave to his church teachings and they're 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 founded on what god desires for every man and what god desires for every man woman and child is that they be drawn into union with god and participate in god's own life but in order to do that we have to give up our sins you know what's ironic tell me socrates what was the year 325 bc 325 this is a pagan we're talking about a pagan greek who's living in a society where homosexuality was rampant and Socrates criticized the Greeks because he said, you want to live an immoral life. 
So in order to want to, to live an immoral life, you create a God or gods, a whole bunch of gods who are far immoral than you hmm. in order to justify your immorality. Hmm. And then you call me impious. They killed Socrates. The people of Athens condemned Socrates to death. Why? For impiety. Why? What was impious? He said, God is one and he is wholly other. He is completely other. He is not a creature. He can't, he doesn't, you know, he's completely separate from his creatures. And yet he made us. And the only way for us to come to know him is to lead an upright, virtuous life. A life of self-control, a life of discipline, a life where we have dominion over our bodies and don't indulge in sexual excess and lusts. Socrates was married to one woman. He was faithful to her and he refused to indulge in any homosexuality. And so they put him to death. Oh my, 326? 325. 325 BC. And here is this man. He didn't even have the gift of faith as we know it. He wasn't a Jew. No. He was a Greek. But he used his intellect he to came, figure things out. Exactly. He came to all of this. See, we can know that God exists. And we can also know that we need to live a virtuous life in order to know God right. just from the use of our intellect, yeah. if we're honest. Mary, I always think a joke about this, saying there's no expiration date with this Bible that you're reading from. Absolutely. And it seems to me the modern man has tried to change what we call uh you know, God's Ten Commandments, and they, they, they joke about it and say it's just, it's just his suggestions. Right. But that's not the case. And theologians actually do say that. Oh, oh yeah, but they put it this way. Oh, yeah, yeah, the commandments. That's the ideal that we strive for. Ah! That's the ideal. But, you know, God understands that we're just sinners and we're not going to make it. Well, honey, God gave us grace. Yeah. Socrates made it, and he didn't even have the gift of faith, people. You theologians out there, wake up. And also us people. Because what happens is sin darkens the intellect and it weakens the will. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It makes us stupid. You know, the more we sin, the less we can see the truth. The less light we can see. We can become totally encapsulated and and shut off from the light by the darkness, the darkness of sin. Hmm. You see, when I feel uncomfortable about a sin I've committed, it's not because someone has put a guilt trip on me. It's because God wrote his law on my heart and I know in my conscience that what I did was wrong. So, you know, Pope Francis is saying, well, we shouldn't make people feel uncomfortable. Honey, sin makes us uncomfortable. And the reason it makes us uncomfortable is so that we'll change. Right. And so when you feel uncomfortable about your actions, stop and examine them and ask the Lord to show you what is offensive to you, Lord, about these actions that makes me so uncomfortable. Why do I want to hide this? You know, you know, Father Bill Casey, who we both respect from years of the family conferences, he used to say the most merciless thing you can do to someone is to let them wallow in their sins. And so when we see somebody with same sex attraction, we are my heart goes out to them. okay, because they have a disorder in their life. Exactly. And I don't just condemn them and say, ah, get out of here. No, I welcome them to come back to Christ by living a chaste life. And repenting of any sins and turning to Christ and his church. And that's the message the church has given for 2,000 years. Exactly. And there's so many people who have proved that this can be done. 
the people in Courage. Oh, yeah. The, and that's the, the, the group's oh. name is Courage, and you can look it up online. And they help people live a chaste life, that's people right. who have homosexual attractions. That's They're right. also they're finding out you know, that all of the psychological factors aren't known, but it's found out that 90% of homosexuals who will enter into therapy and stay the course will find out that they no longer have homosexual attraction. Right. Some of them, and, and because why? Because homosexual attraction is rooted in trauma of some sort, either either a sec- sexual molestation at a very early raise, sure. age, they've been abused, molested, possibly neglected, just a, emotional neglect can do this. Or if you have a very dominant mother and a very weak father, there's a lot of things that can disrupt yeah. the gender identity Every child, when they're born, they don't know if they're male or female yet. Right. They are, though. It's obvious from their, their it's in the DNA. Yeah, and <laughs> it's also in the way you're physically right. put together. You're either male or female. That's right. But the, but, but the child's discovery of who they are as male or female can be disrupted very early on and very easily. So they need to be taught that, yes, if, if, you're, a, if you're a boy, you're a boy. If you're a girl, you're a girl. And by the way, Kindergarten boys who are attracted to other boys are not homosexuals any more than kindergarten girls who are attracted to other girls are homosexuals. You know, Listen. boys and girls normally don't find the, you, you, the latency period. You don't wake up to your, to your sexuality until you're in puberty. And those who actually awaken the latent, destroy the latency period and, and sexualize little children are abusing those children. So a lot of children have been abused. And a lot of them are confused about their identity because of that abuse. And it's a horrible, it's, it's a very heavy cross to carry. And part of the problem is that when we've been abused, you know, our emotions lie to us about who we are. And we identify ourselves with the abuse as if that abuse was right and, and somehow we don't deserve any better. And what has to die in us, the reason why the therapy can be so painful is because the lies have to die and the fact that I have self-identified with that lie has to die. And that's a real death. It's, but you know what? It can be done with the help of God. And, and the scripture is very clear on homosexuality. You, know, you have the New Testament, the Old Testament, in Corinthians 6, 9, in 1 Timothy 1, 10, mm-hmm. in Romans 13, 1 through 7, in 1 Timothy 2, 12, in Titus 3, 9. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm Going, getting ahead of myself there. No, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 10 and Galatians 5, 9 through 12. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 and 1 Timothy 1, 10. And by the way, in Genesis 19, yes, God did destroy Sodom and Gomorrah for sodomy, which is homosexuality. They, the, the two angels come to the town. Lot takes them. They were going to sleep. They said, no, we're just going to know that these are angels. They know what's going on. The men of the town couldn't do anything to them. But they were going to sleep in the square. And Lot's like, no, 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 no. You can't do that. Because he knew that any stranger who came into the town and slept in the square would be abused by the men of the town. And sure enough, the men of the town, when Lot takes these men into his house, the men of the town come to that. And they're going to break down the door and, and, and forcibly rape these two men. And this is, these are men wanting to rape men. Wow. And that's why God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. When we come back, Father Jerry Murray... From the Archdiocese of New York, from the Raymond Royal Show, will also comment on Pope Francis' comments, private, upon, a, a private comment on gay civil union. More with the Bible with the Barbers when we come back.
Help the Helpless, a Minnesota St. Paul nonprofit organization chaired by Father of Tear and volunteers, is humbly asking you for your kind support to help the poor and the handicapped children in India and Ecuador. Through financial support from the help of the helpless benefactors, the children are provided with clothing, food, education, shelter, and the teachings of the Catholic Church. The mission is to help children thrive and become self-sufficient young adults leading productive lives. We also provide aid to poor families in Ecuador with food baskets, medicines, medical assistance, and help with funeral needs for the deceased. The work in India is done by Father Antonio's organization, St. Mary's. In Ecuador, the work is being done by the Servant Sisters of the Home of Mother. You can call us at 877-762-8857. To learn more, please visit our website, www.helpthehelpless.org. God bless you. If you shop on Amazon.com, there's an easy way to support Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Just visit smile.amazon.com and type in Catholic Resource Center under the desired charity. Now, when you log into your Amazon account and purchase products, a portion of it will automatically go to support Virgin Most Powerful Radio at no cost to you. Thanks in advance for supporting CRC and VMPR, and may God richly bless you and your family. Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites The Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow! That's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US-1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome back to Bible with the Barbers. And we're here, we want to, um, in light of uh, recent, this movie that came out, by the way, this movie in no way intends to portray Pope Francis as the Pope. And, and yes, the producer of this movie has an agenda, and so there's no infallible statement. There's no papal statement here. And no pope can change the teachings of the church. It cannot change what God has, has, um, what God has set down. And, and God, God made us in his own image. And he made us male and female. And he made us complementary to one another so that, so that human life would be procreated on this earth through marriage between one man and one woman. And we have, if you look, you know, in, in the um, Navarre Bible commentary on the Genesis 19, we, we have this explanation here. In the Holy Scripture, sins of homosexuality are portrayed as being very depraved. By the way, the word sodomy comes, it, homo, homo, sins of homosexuality are called sodomy because it refers to the destruction of Sodom in Genesis 19, okay? So these are depraved. They're against the natural law. By the way, all sins against the sixth and ninth commandment are are depraved, not necessarily as grave. Homosexuality is completely unnatural. Um, adultery and fornication 
at least it's a man being attracted to a woman, a woman being attracted to a man. So it's within the natural law that they should be attracted. The question is, do they have a, do, are they free to be attracted to that person? The law of Moses punished them with death, and not just sins of sodomy were punished with death. Remember, all the sins, we read that already, the sins against the sixth and ninth commandment, the um, adultery and fornication were punishable by death. And in the New Testament, they are seen as the height of depravity when men do not want to live according to the law of God. You can look at Romans 1, 26 and 27. When men have rejected the law of God, then God abandons them to their unnatural lusts. Go ahead and read that. It's also in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 and 1 Timothy 10. Okay. And so tradition has always declared that homosexual acts are intrinsically evil. By their nature, they are evil. They are contrary to the natural law. They close the sexual act to the gift of life. They do not proceed from a genuine, effective and sexual complementarity. Under no circumstances can they be approved. So we have a commentary here by Father Jerry Murray. Um, part of the Raymond Royal Papal Posse. Yes, <laughs> and they're on every Thursday night on EWT, and I want to plug them for that. Yeah. But Father Murray goes back many years with our family. When we had a young family, he would come and vacation in California and visit us, so we had a lot of good conversations. He's His father was an attorney. He, at one time, was studying to be an attorney. He's a canon lawyer, so he's got his act together, and I'd like to ask Mr. Engineer to play this clip from the Raymond Royal show. Mr. Engineer, can you play that clip? Here it comes. Christmas, it's coming. <laughs> Francis calls for the passage of civil union laws for same-sex couples. Here's what he actually says in the documentary. We'll roll it for you. Homosexual people have the right to be in a family. They are children of God and have a right to a family. Nobody should be thrown out or be made miserable over it. What we have to have is a civil union law. That way, they are legally covered. The media and activists have been saying uh, that the they have a right to a family line there is a shift in church teaching. Is it Father Jerry? No, because that was a manipulation of the Pope's words. He was not endorsing uh, the formation of a family by adoption or surrogate motherhood in that regard. So that is not a change in church teaching. What is the change in church teaching is what he said about homosexual unions being recognized by civil law. Mm -hmm. Back in 2003, Pope John Paul II said the following, Catholics are obliged to oppose legal recognition of homosexual unions. Catholics are obliged, and the reason is, it's an endorsement of deviant behavior, and it is giving societal recognition to something which is a fake marriage. It has nothing to do with marriage. And uh, it gives the approval to behavior which is mortally sinful. Uh, this is a real crisis in the church, Raymond. Mm. Well, the, the Father referenced that 2003 document, and in it it says, respect for homosexual persons cannot lead to any way to approval of homosexual behavior or legal recognition of homosexual unions. Father James Martin, who has really been out front um, framing the Pope's comments, had this to say. Watch. He's saying it on the record, uh, and he's being very clear. It's not simply he's tolerating it, he's supporting it. Well, I think Father Martin, unfortunately, is accurate in his observation. The Pope has stated quite clearly that he thinks uh, homosexual men or homosexual women have a right to some kind of legal recognition of their relationship in a way that's equivalent in some way to marriage without calling it marriage. Mm -hmm. 
And what the Pope has done here is something that no Pope has ever done, which is accept the gay lifestyle. He, the Pope, seems to be at ease with homosexuals living together and committing sin. Uh, because, let's face it, the basis of homosexuals' uh, civil unions is that they're going to be sexually active with each other, and they make promises to that effect. So, yeah, it's unfortunate, uh, to say the least, uh, that the Pope did this. I think it's really scandalous, and, uh, you know, it's, it's not a happy day when a Catholic priest has to say that the Pope has done something that he thinks is scandalous. But really, Holy Father is saying something that goes directly against Catholic moral teaching. Not only are we not supposed to commit mortal sin, we're not supposed to encourage other people to do it or speak in a way that would give them the impression that we mm. tolerate it or think it's good. Well said, Father Murray. Well said, and that's, you know, again, as Father Murray said, that they, be, that they should be part of a family. Yeah, they are part of a family. They came from a, their family of origin. Of course. They're part of the family of the church. But do we recognize the homosexual union? No, we can't because it's gravely disordered. And the deal is the Pope has no authority to change God's revelation. The church has no authority to change God's revelation. And this isn't the first time in history this question has no. come up. And, you know, popes have made mistakes before where they had to be corrected. The first one was Peter. And it was, again, it was over his actions. It wasn't over a, a teaching. It was over his actions. But um, Cardinal Mueller has an excellent article about this. It was on LifeSite News. Yes, and it's titled, Card Cardinal Mueller, Pope's Endorsement of Homosexual Civil Unions Has No Authority for Catholics. So basically, he's the former prefect of the Congregation of the Doctrine of Faith and he explains that there are limits to papal authority, noting that some popes have Errored. Right. And that's it. We don't. And it's real simple. It's um, I know, Jesse, and you mentioned on your show, sure. uh, the census fidelium right. and the census fidelium doesn't mean the majority report. No, <laughs> the census census fidelium refers to those people mm -hmm. who are living faithful to the gospel, mm -hmm. who are striving to live in union with God day by day. And and people are shocked by this statement that and, and I. That, that we could recognize civil unions of homosexuals. We can't. We can't. It's not, it, it breaks down marriage and family. It's an attack on the family. The family is a man and a woman committed to each other for life who made their vows before God in the church, before witnesses. It's not just, you know, marriage isn't just between you and your spouse or, you know, whatever. You know, it's whatever I want. No, you don't just go out under a tree and say, I marry you and you marry me and that's it. No, you need witnesses because it affects all of society that's right. and the church because it's an institution that God himself established. Marriage is between one man and one woman. And little children, and Pope Francis even wrote this himself when he was in Argentina when they were that's discussing right. homosexual marriage. Little children have a right, a right, this were his words, a right to be raised by a father and a mother. Okay. So it's child abuse That's it. to put a child in a home where you have two people of the same sex living together as if they were married because you're, you're giving them a false impression of what marriage is, first of all, and you're abusing them as a child because they don't have a father and a mother. And, you know, Pope Francis has supposedly encouraged this homosexual couple in Italy who have three children that they should raise their children in, the, in their parish. And, and the difficulty is, is where's the mother of these children? That's right. 
these men couldn't have a child. So where's the mother? Where is the mother? They of these hired children? somebody to be like uh, a, a customer and say, I want you to uh, take care of my baby inside of you so we can have this baby. And, but I take p- full possession of it. So but I'm paying it, well, you not, only, not only that, they have to they have to get the ovum from the woman. That's right. Men's sperm does not create a child. That's right. You have to have sperm and ovum. And so where is the mother? And so she just becomes an object to be used. That's right. So what you see what's happening here? We're rewarding that. People become objects to be used. Yep. No, homosexuals don't have a right to have to adopt children or have children. As a matter of fact, homosexual couples if they're living a homosexual lifestyle and refuse to live a chaste life and aren't trying to live by God's laws, they have excluded the possibility of children in their marriage. Now, I grant it, you know, science can intervene and, and circumvent, unfortunately, the law of God. That doesn't make it right. Just because men can do it doesn't make it right. Well said. And this is one of the problems, and this is one of the difficulties. You know, Pope Francis himself acknowledged the rights of the children to be raised by a father and mother. And now he's saying, well, you know, and, and I understand. We have a difficulty. You know, people find the homosexual lifestyle so abhorrent that, unfortunately, you've had certain people killed because they were found out to be homosexual. Yeah, that's wrong. That's not right. That's not of God either. You know, a person who has this disordered attraction in themselves most likely were abused, neglected, or molested at some point. And so they needed to be treated with compassion, but they also need hopefully to recognize that, you know what, you could find healing and you could actually reverse this attraction. That's right. And many of them have. Yep. But some of them have been so wounded by the trauma that they can't reverse the attraction. So they suffer. And I understand that. You know what? We're all sinners. We're all in this together. Every one of us has a major fault we have to overcome. And many of us find it really hard to give up some sin in our life. We all have to strive manfully. Even women have to strive what we call manfully. That's right. That means with a great strength, with with vigor and, and virile strength yeah. against sin in our lives. That's what we need to strive against, sin. Bible with the barbers, that's what we're working on. We're trying to be saints under construction so that we can get to heaven. That's what we do here at Virgin. We'll be right back with more. In Luke 7, Jesus said, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven her because she has been shown great love. According to St. John of the Cross, Christians should always remember that the value of their good works is not based on number and excellence. Their value is based on the love for God that prompts them to do the works. May we always be motivated by true love for God and not worry so much about what we do, but why we do it.
How does the baby move in your tummy? How does the baby eat? Can the baby hear me? How did the baby get in there? Wow, a pregnancy can sure generate a lot of questions. But what's important is that a baby is a baby inside and out of the womb, not just after birth, but nine months before at conception. That's right, every baby is a miracle. Hello, my name is Marianne Kuharski. I'm the director of Pro-Life Across America. If you know someone who is pregnant or in need of alternatives or assistance, or would like to support the work of Pro-Life Across America, please visit our website at prolifeacrossamerica.org, or better yet, simply dial pound 250 on your cell phone and say the keyword pro-life. Pro-Life Across America is non-political and totally educational. A baby's heart is beating 18 days from conception. Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites the Terry and Jesse Show, and they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow, that's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US-1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. So again, we're, uh, we're talking here about homosexuality and, the Bible have to say? and what the Bible has to say about it. And again, and sin, this is not, we're not singling out homosexuals. And again, as I wanted to point out with the Old Testament, homosexuals weren't the only ones who were condemned to death. There were sins of, you know, you, you don't commit these sins or you're going to be condemned to death. Well, you didn't pay your workers. That's a sin that cries to God. For vengeance. For vengeance, not paying your wages. Exactly. And, oh. and uh, so molesting the children the the widows and the orphans that's another cries out one. to vengeance god to god that's for true. vengeance the sin against abel which is the slaughter of the innocent right this that cries out to heaven for vengeance okay so sin is sin and what does the bible say about sin what did jesus say when he when the woman's caught in adultery and they're going to stone her and he says okay fine you go ahead and stone her the one the one one among you who's without sin you go ahead and throw the first stone and they all leave, you know, one by one, they walk away, you know, it's like, okay, he got us, you know, and then he looks up, he said, well, is there no one to condemn you? And she says, no, sir, no one condemns me. And he says, well, neither do I, but go and sin no more. Amen. Now, God just doesn't, doesn't tell us just don't sin no more. He gives us the strength and the courage to do that. If we stay in union with God, if we live a life of prayer, do we have a personal prayer relationship? Are we talking to God every day? But I mean, really letting him show us the things in us that are offensive, that are degrading us as human beings. He made us in his image. He hates sin. He hates it. And we should hate sin first in ourselves. And we can hate sin. The Bible says to, but love the sinner. We love the sinner. And how do we love the sinner? By saying, this is God's law, and we all have to keep it. Amen. We all have to live a chaste life. That means we're supposed to live sexual self-control. Chastity means that we have control over our sexuality. It's not controlling us. We're not animals to be reduced to our passions. And Mary, just for the facts, the active homosexual has over 100 partners. In other words, 100 people they have sin with, okay, sexual activity with. That's not happiness. 
And so for us to just say, well, that's just the way you are. No, we're calling them to chastity because that's what our Lord would call them because our happiness is doing the will of God. And the will of God is not homosexuality. The will of God, he made it very clear. He made a woman and a man, man and woman, and be fruitful and multiply. And let's just be honest with you. The homosexual so-called marriage or cohabitation is not fruitful. That's not what God said. No. We want to do it God's way, not Mary Barber's way or Terry Barber's way or Jesse Romero. Anybody. No. What is God calling us? Because that's where our true happiness comes from. Right. And it's not unitive either. That's but, right. And the reality is, yeah. is it's just not we're, not. we're not just saying that homosexuals are the only sinners, by the way. You know, people who are using contraceptives in their marriage are also rejecting God. They're throwing God out of their marriage. No, you don't do anything artificial to prevent the the possibility of life coming from your conjugal union. And again, that's the constant teachings of the church. And yes, that's infallible. The fact that it's the constant teachings of the church. So God calls us to love one another, but we love one another into life. You see, sin doesn't make us free. Sin makes us slaves. Jesus said in the gospel, anyone who sins is a slave of sin and no slave has a permanent place in his father's house. So in Christ Jesus, we find freedom from sin, not freedom from obeying the 10 commandments, freedom to obey the 10 commandments because obeying the 10 commandments is what gives us true freedom. Amen. It makes us who we are. We are God's children made in his image as persons to be loved male or female God made. He didn't make confusion. The confusion comes from sin. And I understand people who have, you know, gender dysphoria or or gender confusion. It's a confusion and it's very painful. People who have been molested. And by the way, not everybody who's sexually molested will turn out homosexual. But and and, and not everyone who who is sexually molested is going to turn out promiscuous. But you know what? It, It tends to lead you in that direction because when you were molested, a lie was told to you. And the lie was, you are no good. You're ugly. You just deserve to be beat up and used and thrown aside. That is a lie. It's not true. The truth is you are beautiful and good. You're made in God's image as a person to be loved. And you are loved by God. You are precious and dear to him. He loves you. He likes you. He desires you. He delights in you. He wants to draw you into union with himself. Renounce sin. And bring to him the wounds. People who've been molested or neglected or, you know, beat up and physically molested, sexually molested or, or neglected, there's, you're going to have a lot of confusion in your mind about what's good for you and what's beautiful and true. So go to the Lord and bring all of those wounds to him and say, Jesus, help me. I want to be free. Do you want freedom? Bring it to the Lord. The sinners who came to him, he didn't say, oh, okay, you know, go ahead and, and just live that lifestyle. That's fine. No, he said, go and sin no more. Mary, you talk about abuse and confusion. I'll demonstrate what you're saying is absolutely right. In America, we have about 330 million people living in America. 110 million, that's one third of the population, wow. have STDs, Whoa. sexually transmitted diseases. Whoa. So we're mixed up about our sexuality. We're over-sexualized, so not just homosexuality. We are out of control by having that many people with sexually transmitted diseases. America spends $16 billion, with a B, billion dollars a year taking care of people 
with sexually transmitted diseases. I joke about it, shouldn't be joked about, but I say, look, the Catholic Church has the answer to lower your cost of medical care. Absolutely. Your premium will go way down if everybody lived a chaste life. If everybody lived a chaste life, <laughs> it's true. You know, if we lived according to God's law, uh, there's a lot of physical ailments we would, now it's not going to remove all physical ailments. Jesus didn't come to eradicate human suffering. He came to fill it with his presence. And even those who are suffering from same-sex attraction, turn to the Lord, ask the Lord to fill you with his presence and a knowledge of his love for you so that it, it can heal the wound that was caused, that caused this disordered attraction within you. You remember Monsignor William Smith used to say, God will forgive, yeah. but nature never forgives. Right. And so we have this effect of sexually transmitted diseases because people many times have sinned, and the effect of it is their body is going to be infected with disease. Right. Now, anyone out there who says, I want to be healed, first of all, what's most important is your soul. Right. So you get the confession as soon as possible because we're all sinners. Right. right. And, and I'm not here to judge you. I'm here to say, I want to help you live in that, what we call sanctifying grace. We want to have the state of grace. And the way you do that is live according to those 10 commandments and live those out in your daily life. But when you fall, you get up and go back to confession, get that sin removed and move forward. But let's be honest, this is not just about homosexuality. Our country is so mixed up regarding sexuality in general. They don't have the plan that God's given. Exactly. They've rejected God's They've plan. rejected that plan. Right. And the fruit of it is 110 million people with sexually transmitted diseases. This is a statistic that stuns me every time I think about it. And I want to make a distinction here between temptation and sin. Oh, very important. All right? Very important. We're not saying that having a homosexual attraction is a sin. Nope. We're not even saying that the person with that attraction necessarily sinned to get there. Right. What most likely happened for many is that they were sinned against. Yep. That wasn't your sin. That's right. Okay. And the attraction isn't a sin, but acting on that attraction to, to, to engage in your sexuality mm -hmm. outside of, there's only, the only place to engage sexuality legitimately is within marriage, faithful marriage, one man and one woman committed to each other for life and open to the possibility of life, L love and life, union and procreation. God made them to go together. Okay, people who have been molested, people who have been neglected as children might find themselves being very angry all the time. And so they can feel like, and this is, I want to address because I'm sure homosexual people might feel like this. Sure. Well, there's no point in trying because I'm just a sinner anyways. If I weren't, I wouldn't have this attraction. People who have been molested might be very angry and they walk around angry all the time. And it's like, well, why should I try? I can just give vent to my anger and just tear things apart and destroy things because I'm angry anyway, so I may as well express it. No. First of all, if you feel angry because someone beat you up, you have a, you, you have a right to feel angry. The question is, what are you going to do with it? Okay. So if you feel a homosexual attraction, it's not, I'm not going to act on that. I'm going to acknowledge that something was done against me that was wrong. Now, maybe I can't correct that injustice, but I can, Jesus, something was done against Jesus that was wrong, right? Mm -hmm. An innocent man was condemned to death, but he accepted that to save us. 
so we can unite all of our sufferings to Jesus on the cross. So if we, when we have these disordered, and we all have disordered well, of course, tendencies, of okay, but unite them with Jesus on the cross. Come to the foot of the cross. Jesus, wash me in your precious blood. Help me to begin the healing process and help me to persevere in the healing process no matter how long it takes, no matter how hard it is. But most of all, help me to live a chaste life, a life pleasing to you according to your commandments. Just like he told the woman caught in adultery, go sin no more. He tells us all in confession, go sin no more. We go out and fall again. That's why we make acts of contrition every day. That's why we make examination of conscience every day. How am I doing? But every day we get up again to say, Lord, I need your help. I can't do this without you. And no, Pope Francis doesn't have the authority to change the church teachings. As a private theologian, he may think the pastoral approach is to tell these people it's okay to live in a civil union. The difficulty, of course, being that then you don't acknowledge the wound. You don't acknowledge the root cause of the disorder and you never bring the person to healing. It's kind of like a doctor looking at an, an, an infected wound on your leg and saying, well, I'll put a Band-Aid over it and we'll just keep changing the Band-Aid, but never addressing the infection. You know, oh, well, I know it's, it's going to be too painful for you if I try and heal this wound. So we'll just cover it over and ignore it. And just remember, Our Lady of Fatima, I keep bringing her back into the picture yeah. where she says souls are going to hell because no one is there to pray for them. Remember, it's impossible to measure the spiritual benefits and graces granted to those who spend time in the presence of our Lord and the Blessed Sacrament. Folks, as members of our church, the mystical body of Christ, your actions, your prayers bear fruit. Every devout reception of communion, every good confession, every prayer has a positive ramification for the whole church. Personal growth in the spiritual life is an apostolic activity, and silent prayer should then and always be seen in the context of the universal church. Your prayers help the whole church. Keep praying. Amen. Keep praying. And, and everybody go out there and vote and pray to make the right vote. And uh, we do have a duty, by the way, before God and even in the scripture it talks about this. We pray for those who are our leaders. So pray. Pray for our leaders. Pray for the conversion of our nation. Pray for peace in the world. Pray for peace in the families. And pray for the healing of those who have been wounded, those who have been molested and neglected and abandoned. Amen. God love you. See you next week. St. Faustina, prayer for priests. Oh, my Jesus, I beg thee on behalf of the whole church, grant it love and the light of thy spirit, and give power to the words of priests, so that hardened hearts might be brought to repentance and return to Thee, O Lord. Lord, give us holy priests. Thou Thyself maintain them in holiness. O Divine and Great High Priest, may the power of Thy mercy accompany them everywhere and protect them from the devil's traps and snares, which are continually being set for the souls of priests. May the power of thy mercy, O Lord, shatter and bring to naught all that might tarnish the sanctity of priests. For thou canst do all things. Amen. Virgin most powerful, pray for us. Virgin most powerful radio, sharing the gospel with clarity and charity.